it's time now for Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based family-owned financial planning firm providing investment and financial planning advice since 1983. Doug and Deborah are certified financial planners, CFPs who can answer any of your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now? at 919-860-9783 with your financial planning questions. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA, Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA, Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. Good evening, North Carolina, and thank you for joining us once again. To all of our listeners, thank you for joining us on Money Matters with the Lewises. This is Linda Lewis. And this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And this is Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And I think tonight's show we should dedicate to all of those listeners who are not interested in whether it be the Falcons or the Patriots, but are there enjoying the party <laughs> and are trying to figure what else can they do besides watch the ball game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. We are always up against on Sunday night the uh, Super Bowl. But for those who are listening tonight, don't forget to write down your questions. We're here for the next hour. This hour is your hour. Well, Doug, Deborah, it has been historical highs again this week in the market. It was rebounding, didn't it? Yeah, a lot of news happened this week. The one you're talking about, of course, is we are now up over 20,000 again. The Dow closed this week at 20,071. And I think a lot of that might have been the positive reaction of the investing public because of the president's rule that he signed because that was also very major. That is true. There was a change in this new fiduciary duty rule. Yeah, it was big news for the whole uh, uh, investing public, for the banking public. For the, uh, It was a headline story. You see, what this was all about was that the Department of Labor's final rule, which was the definition of the term fiduciary, the conflict of interest rule, the retirement investment rule, may now significantly alter the manner in which Americans can receive financial advice and may not be consistent with the policies of, and Mr. Trump said, may not be consistent with the policies of my administration. So this was pretty major to have him come out and actually state that. He said that by the authority vested in me as president, you and he was speaking to the Department of Labor, are directed to determine whether it may adversely affect the ability of Americans to gain access to retirement information and financial advice. You shall prepare an updated economic and legal analysis concerning the likely impact of the fiduciary duty rule, which shall consider, among other things, the following. And then he said, number one, is it likely to harm investors' 
due to a reduction of Americans' access to certain retirement savings offerings and retirement product structures and retirement savings information or other related financial advice. He also wants to know, is there dislocation or disruptions within the retirement services industry that may adversely affect investors or retirees? And thirdly, he wants to find out whether the DOL says this will cause an increase in litigation and an increase in the prices that investors and retirees must pay to gain access to retirement services. And then he said, if you make an affirmative determination as to any of the considerations identified in subsection A, which were those points above, that the fiduciary duty rule is inconsistent with the priority identified earlier, then you shall publish a proposed rule rescinding or revising the rule. That was historic. I know that personally I was cheering, uh, and I think many, many uh, in my profession were cheering. So, Doug, what does this mean for the listening audience tonight? Because we've been talking about this proposed change that's supposed to come into effect in April of 2017. And now we're hearing that it's going to be delayed. That's right. Under President Obama, there was this rule to be uh, established, administered by the Department of Labor. That in itself, and it was going to take effect in April of this coming year. But that, in effect, took power away from the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, mm-hmm. who is already regulating fiduciaries like myself, all right. money managers, all mutual funds. They're all regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. And suddenly we have this new rule. Now, the, the, the impetus, the thought behind the rule was good. Absolutely. Definitely good because the thought behind the rule was that there are a lot of people that are slipping through the cracks and are not fiduciaries. And are giving advice on retirement accounts. That's right. Or selling products under the name of advice. Correct. So we have to come back to the definition of what is a fiduciary. And herein lies the problem. The SEC has a definition of a fiduciary, but it is not clearly defined under the term a fiduciary. Correct. So President Obama, he wanted there to be a fiduciary standard applied to everybody right. that's giving advice or selling products in the retirement world. Well, this became a big, big conflict to lots of people. First of all, if indeed the rule were to go forth and President Trump's uh, delay were to have no effect, then basically all of the annuity salespeople would be out of business because it would require the insurance industry to have every insurance salesman and every annuity salesman uh, be regulated as a fiduciary, which they do not want to do. You don't want to be regulated as a fiduciary because if you do, then you better be able to show why the product you're selling is cheaper and better for the client than anything else out there, and you better be able to quantify it. Do you have questions about your financial planning? Call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. 
That's 919-860-9783. Well, Doug, are there any negatives to this recent ruling that you can think of? Well, okay. So it's very complicated because from what I just said, you would think that I would have been in favor of it, that I want I wanted it to go through with every other uh, I hate to call them hucksters, but a lot of these people that are selling annuities and inviting you to what we call these special dinners, plate liquor dinners and everything. And uh, and tonight we'll talk more about uh, uh, college education planners, all of these people that are selling annuities under some other guise. You'd think that I would have been very much in favor of them regulated as fiduciaries, and I am. So, uh, yes, I am in favor of it. But the problem is that segregating the retirement IRAs and the rest of a client's investments makes it unmanageable for those of us who are already fiduciaries. So that's what really distinguishes um, what we've been educating all of the listeners each Sunday night on is, yes, work with a fiduciary. Know that someone is putting your interest ahead of their own. This is a ideal standard. You want to work with people who are saying, yes, get here's a copy of my ADV, and I am regulated by the SEC. As far as this rule, it has some... Uh, Changes that will probably be made. But yes, the the standard itself is known and is now getting more attention. And we think it is exactly what should be that high level standard. And yet I am very happy that the president put a halt to it. And here's why. Because for those of us, such as Lewis Financial Management, who are already fiduciaries, it would then have required us to break apart our present contracts that we have with all of our clients, which covers all of their investments, their retirement accounts, their IRAs, their their personal portfolio. We give them advice on their taxes, on their estate planning, on everything. It would have required us to have that normal contract, but then a separate segregated contract just for their IRAs. And then it would have required us to actually increase our fees for the IRAs where we're charging much lower than that and it would have been a night it, 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 it will be a nightmare if it goes through I, so I was thrilled when I found out uh, waiting with bated breath was the president going to sign on it and he did it's not over it's so basically just, it's segregating retirement accounts that right was, that's the problem and putting them under contract yes but you and I know Linda that's right you and I know when a client comes to see us does he say uh, I'd like you to just give me advice only about my retirement account, please, and no advice about any of my other investments. Have no, you ever they had... typically don't. <laughs> yeah, have you ever um, had anybody you know, say there, that? There are folks that you know that just want to do that, and partly because over their lifetime they've been faithfully accumulating and contributing to some kind of retirement vehicle through their employers. But when they do come to us, they want advice on their whole world, on their whole financial situation. And that's why for 30-some years, 34 years this year, we can say, you know, what we do at, at Lewis Financial Management is comprehensive financial planning, wealth management, looking at your total portfolio and everything that has to do with your financial world. So, yes, we're all applauding this decision that it's been delayed. And what do we want? Now, here's what we want. Here's what we're hoping will prevail. 
that the definition of a fiduciary will be passed to the SEC, and the SEC then will regulate everything as the client is assuming it's being regulated also uh, and anyway. And yes, every annuity salesperson, every insurance salesperson, every stockbroker at Merrill Lynch, every stockbroker across the country, yes, they should all be regulated as fiduciaries through the Securities and Exchange Commission, not parsing out one part of the client's wealth and saying that's got to have a certain type of regulation. So this yeah. is this is big news. I'm sure we're going to be hearing about it all week long. Right. It's going to be in the financial presses again. It was a front page story in many of the right. financial newspapers this past week. Well, speaking of things that have been going on in the last week, we do have some new news in regard to just our own show. And that is that we are on Saturday and Sunday. That's right. And as we uh, replay our show on Saturdays, it gives people an opportunity to call in. And Bitten uh, called in about college bills and his IRA. And if you're listening tonight, Bitten, please give us a call. We'd be happy to answer your questions. If you would like to write in your questions, maybe during the week things get busy, but something crosses your mind, go to DougAndLinda.com and we'll answer your question there. Another caller, Kurt, called in last Saturday when our show was being replayed. Oh, you're talking about last night. No, not last night, the week before. Oh. And Kurt said that he would call back on Sunday uh, to ask his question. Kurt, if you're listening, we are here tonight to answer your question. The number is 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. And, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the fact that uh, we are replaying our shows. We're now Lewis Financial Management um, playing our show, Money Matters, with the Lewis family on Saturday and Sunday nights. Yeah, I guess I never realized all these years, Linda, that there is, there's a certain audience that uh, only would listen on Saturday, not on Sunday. So it's Saturday at 6. Right. And Sunday at 6. Right. Six oh five. So that's good, and we're getting a different, a different audience, different listeners call in. So if you're one of those who is a Saturday listener, make sure you go to WPTF six eighty AM, and uh, there's somebody here. Usually, it's Deborah here to answer your call. So if you've got questions about your financial planning, we do comprehensive financial planning at Lewis Financial Management LLC in North Raleigh. Give us a call at nine one nine. Eight seven two seven thousand. That's nine one nine USA seven thousand. We'll be happy to schedule an appointment with you to address your financial planning concerns. Well, last night, just like Doug said, I was here uh, during the hour to see if anyone would call in with their own question. And uh, a lady called in. A woman called in asking about insurance policies for her children. And her question was in regard to an insurance agent who had recommended that she buy whole life insurance policies for her children who are now 13, 18, and 22. The agent told her that she should buy them because she, she could use them like an IRA. He told her she could borrow from the kids' policies cash values later in life. Now, Doug, since I thought this is at least a question that comes up a few times, um, it, uh, or often enough, I thought I would ask you on air, what are your thoughts on life insurance policies for children? Well, personally, I think buying insurance for children is a misuse of insurance. You know, many years ago, I 
Linda says I used to be a little harsher. (laughs) (laughs) And I might have been guilty of saying, oh, I see, Mom, you're waiting for your son or daughter to die so you can collect money when they die. Right. And I guess that's a brutal way to say (laughs) it. But that's that's the whole story behind insurance is supposed to pay off when someone dies. So, yeah, I can see children wanting insurance on their parents. But no, parents buying insurance for their children, no. Life insurance is a contract between you and the insurance company that says when you die, the insurance company will pay your beneficiaries a lump sum. So if this lady here, as their mother, owned the policies on them, then she'd be paid only if they died. If her children die, yes, of course, she'll be devastated, but she's not going to miss any income they produce. They had they didn't have any that you any income that you were trying to insure it goes the other way and by the way as far as being able to withdraw the cash value from an insurance policy this is foolish because you've just reduced the death benefit and you've paid an insurance company for the right to borrow your money back yeah seems really stupid but at the same time because people are approached to buy these kinds of policies uh if you if this is your question definitely give us a call Um, But don't confuse life insurance as an investment. It fills a valid need as income replacement, but it is not an investment. Correct. Life insurance is not where you invest. If you want to save or invest for your retirement, you need to do so outside of an insurance policy. Buying life insurance is to transfer the risk of loss of anyone's income. And that's what insurance is needed for. Do you have a question about your insurance? Call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. All right, before we go on, I'd like all of our listeners out there tonight to get a pen and write down six letters. E-G-A-D-E-M. Six letters. E-G-A-D-I-M. E-G-A-D-E-M. We're going to find out these six letters are extremely crucial in your relationship with anyone who is giving you advice about your money. All right. What is E? E stands for establish. Establish the relationship. When you meet with someone about anything in your finances, insurance, college education, your investments, your IRA, the first thing you should do is E establish the relationship to help them define what they're going to be able to provide for you right by a contract they should give you a contract outlining what their services are going to be for you and what you are going to pay what are the fees that you'll pay for those services right establish the relationship then g what is g g stands for gather gather the data Gather all the data, all the information about the client. So if you are the client and you're meeting with someone and you're just checking them out, number one, establish what is he or she going to do for you, how much are they going to charge you for it, have it all into a contract. That's what we do at Lewis Financial Management. Number two, after E comes G, make sure the person is going to gather all necessary information, whether it be portfolio summaries, list of all your investments, tax returns, whatever you've wanted that person to do, is he going to go ahead and gather all of the necessary information? Right. Gather the information that they're going to give advice on. That's right. 
That's you know, right. They've got to have everything that you, that you want advice on. That's the G of Egadim. So getting all the facts, right? Getting all the facts down. So what's the A? The A is to analyze. There must be an analysis done. You want this person to analyze the data that they've gathered from you. All right. You want to make sure that it's not somebody shooting from the hip and just selling you a product. No. You want to make sure this person is going to analyze all of the information that you've brought them. All right. So now we have an E-G-A. Establish the relationship. Gather the information. Analyze the data. Now we need to talk about D. Here D is to develop a plan. Correct. Develop recommendations. That's right. There needs to be a plan. That's the development of a plan that's going to go ahead and meet the client's goals. It could be as simple. I want to save as much money to to send my kids to college in eight years. Still, there needs to be a development of a plan. And this is not just a hypothetical format that an insurance company produces in their hypo software. and, And the fine print says, this is just uh, right. for illustrations <laughs> only. Oh, right, right. No, no. Develop a plan. That's the D. So we have an E G A D. Next, we want to I implement those recommendations. Here is exa- and at this point, yes, there is something to be done. Implement is to invest. Yes, the problem is that most people go to see somebody, and right away there's a sales pitch and a design, and and and, and let's. Implement. Let's do some investing right now. Mm-hmm. It's what Linda used to always uh, say. You'd say people sometimes they, they go for the jugular, close the deal and everything, sign on the dotted line. Right, right. No, 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 no. You don't, never. Don't imp- fall for the pressure. That's right. You don't implement until before the implementation there's been the development of a plan. And you don't do the development of a plan before there's been an analysis of the data. And you don't analyze the data until you gather the data. And you don't gather the data until you've established what is the relationship of this person that I'm working with. So we have an E-G-A-D-I. And, and we the- come to the last and the most important of the six letters for EGADIM, M. Monitor those recommendations. That's right. If this person that you're dealing with is not going to be regularly monitoring the implementation that has been done, whether it be on a quarterly basis, a monthly basis, an annual basis, if there's not going to be any monitoring, then you just got a sales pitch of somebody that sold you something and walked down the street to see the next person he or she was going to sell to. Right. So There'll be no you, relationship. That's that, it. That's the, right. the, 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 the security or the investment or whatever was sold and they're in bought. And that's it, the end of it. And if during your first meeting, the E, if that's what came out of the meeting, that this is the relationship, if he or she tells you, well, I'm not going to charge you any for any advice. I'm just going to bring you different annuities to show you. And once you buy them, then that's basically the end of the, of the relationship. Uh, I'm always there for you, if he says. But know what is the ongoing process. And that's not financial planning, is no, it, that's a, is that's, it a, that's a That's a sale. Matter of fact, that's what's behind this whole fiduciary rule is that uh, the, the, the powers to be feel that you shouldn't just be sold something. You should really be under uh, the, the stewardship of a proper 
advisor who is a fiduciary watching out for your benefits. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you for joining us. And if you've got a question, you can call us right now on the open line at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Well, Doug, Linda, it's the beginning of a new year. And with it comes in a lot of uh, advice and what you should be doing to prepare for 2017. You know, you need to know what's in store for you and your portfolio in the upcoming year. And now is the ideal time to meet with your financial advisor to review your life goals and financial plan, as well as address any concerns you may have about specific investments. Well, there are some questions that need to be asked. And one of those questions is, what is my current financial situation? It's important, isn't it, to revisit and to reassess where you stand with your investment goals, your time horizon, and your risk tolerance. So think about what stage of life you're in. And if you're just starting on your investing journey, you might want to set up a savings plan. And for some of the folks that come to meet with us, it's a three to six month living um, uh, emergency fund, right? That's right. And if you're nearing retirement, you might want to Adjust your asset mix to better protect your savings. Now, for those of you that are already retired, your consideration might be that you want to alter the monthly withdrawal amount that you're taking. Yeah, so be prepared to discuss during your meetings both short and long-term goals, how your investments can provide for your near-term needs as well as your lifetime plan. Another thing you'll want to ask is, how might changes in my life affect my investments? Have you lost or changed jobs? Have you adjusted your retirement date? Are you going to work longer or less long? Have you recently married or maybe you've gotten divorced? Have you become a parent or a grandparent? Are you sending a child to college? Have you experienced a change in health care costs for you or your family? Or how about, are you beginning to support an adult child or maybe an aging parent? All of these things can change what your investment needs and your goals might have been. Another question to ask is, is your asset allocation in line with your investment goals? Investment portfolios can shift over time and they become more or less aggressive than you might have intended. So if your investment mix is out of sync with your preferred asset allocation or your investment objectives have changed, this might be the right time to rebalance your portfolio. You know, Linda, a lot of people accumulate uh, in their 401ks and they might make those investment options uh, 10 They might have made them 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they might have a million dollars, and they need to reassess. Are they still invested in the proper investments? So often we see that. They began with something that was only maybe uh, 100,000, 110, 120,000, and here they're meeting with us now years later, and we see that you know, it's close to a million dollars, and they're way wrong. It would have been right when they were at 100000 Way wrong now with this kind of So money. true. So true. It, it's important to reevaluate as time goes on. 
Another question that folks need to ask is, should my should I adjust my portfolio to minimize the effect of the market volatility? Do you have a question about your money? Call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. The truth is that no one can predict with any degree of certainty what will happen to the market over the next week, the next month, or even year, especially after what's happened in the last two weeks. That's exactly right. Short-term swings are driven by investor emotions and often get exaggerated in both directions before rational thinking wins out. So day-to-day market moves are something that no investor can control. It's important not to let such noise steer you off course from a well-reasoned and disciplined investment plan. And that's what we do at Lewis Financial Management. We help you see your whole uh, financial world holistically, how everything is going to affect uh, all the other pieces and parts. You know, there's been a lot of news coverage about the Federal Reserve and plans to raise interest rates. And you might wonder how that could affect your portfolio. Well, when you hear the words interest rates, it typically means the federal funds rate, which is the rate that banks charge other banks to borrow money, sometimes overnight. When the interest rate is raised, it makes borrowing money more expensive, which affects how consumers and businesses spend. It's the way that the Fed attempts to control inflation. And this leaves households with less disposable income. People will have less discretionary money to spend when in turn, which in turn affects businesses' revenues. And businesses, therefore, might not borrow as much of the more expensive need money to expand. Bonds also have an inverse relationship with, with interest rates. When they go up, bond prices go down. You might want to consider how your portfolio would respond to higher interest rates. If it seems they could negatively affect your portfolio, consider adjusting your investment mix. Yeah, that's also important to realize. A lot of people think that bonds are so safe, therefore, those are my safe investments and stocks are my risky investments. But that isn't the way it works in a real portfolio. Bonds are only safe if you hold them until they mature. So a 20-year bond is perfectly safe if you hold it for 20 years, but nobody holds it for 20 years especially if it's in a mutual fund. So if you have a bond mutual fund, then they're not at all safe, which means that you may be thinking you're in a safe investment and you're in a very, very risky investment because of this interest rate inverse relationship to bond values that you talked about, Deborah. Yeah, I remember uh, some, some folks are so stuck on buying bonds and putting all their eggs in this one basket. Of because they've been told it's safe. Bonds. <laughs> and now that interest rates are going up, those bonds are going to go down. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> so it's important to have these kinds of reconsiderations, isn't it? Now, another question to ask is, how do global events affect my portfolio? Should you be concerned about your exposure to the markets that are outside the U.S. Domestic and international headlines can make investors nervous and affect 
the market. So when British voters approved a referendum to leave the European Union in June, for instance, the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 900 points in two days, but it rebounded a week later. So for investors and portfolio managers, a period of volatility can present opportunities to invest in strong companies at attractive prices. Now, what can you do uh, better to be prepared for retirement? This is probably the most frequent question that we get asked. And I would say perhaps the best way to prepare for retirement is to meet with a certified financial planner like my father, Doug Lewis, or me, Deborah Lewis, at Lewis Financial Management. Invest as much as possible as early as possible with the appropriate investments over the long term. However, even without the ideal scenario, there are steps that you can take to boost your retirement savings. So don't feel left behind or the time has passed. You can do a lot to speed things up and get back on track. And it all begins with uh, meeting with us at Lewis Financial Management. Now, you might consider contributing more per pay period. It's important to know if your employer has a retirement fund match that can provide additional money beyond what you're setting aside. And then after you've done that, you'll want to contribute to an after-tax fund. You want to buy investments inside and outside your retirement accounts. You need to know how much you can set aside monthly and then do so. Withdrawing during retirement from these two types of accounts is the optimal scenario. So, Linda, if someone's been listening and thinking, hey, this is what I need to do, well, how do we begin? It's very important to write down your financial goals. They may be immediate, like developing a strategy to pay off debt, or a short-term goal could be saving so that you can buy a house. Others have longer-term goals where you have to think about what kind of retirement that you envision for the future. And secondly, it's important to make a list of questions that you want answered. If you meet with an advisor... They should, a competent advisor should be able to answer all of your questions. So become prepared with specific concerns that you have about your situation. You know, I would say through the years, Linda, that the young ones so often don't have their questions as well as the older clients. You're right. Very often I've, I've noticed that folks that come in to see us that are 65 or 75 or even older, when we ask them at the beginning of the meeting, after we've established the relationship, when we ask them at the beginning of the meeting, what are your questions that you want to address today? They very clearly, they've got questions that have been bothering them for some time. The older ones seem to know that questions are important. And the place to begin. And the place to begin. All right, so Lynn, what else? After making a list of the questions, what else? It's important to gather any important documents that you have and specific information is needed in order to accurately assess your personal financial situation. So usually what we look at are any statements from all of your accounts current uh, statements that you've gotten uh, regarding your investment accounts, your bank statements, et cetera, et cetera. Any information about other investments, such as real estate. Then we want to know, what about your income? Are you, uh, do you, you know, your payroll, your Social Security income? Maybe you have some rental income from real estate. 
Then we also want to look at what are your monthly expenses and do you have any loans, any credit card uh, loans or car payments, et cetera, et cetera. And the most current tax return is always helpful. And the last but not least is any estate planning information. You may have questions about insurance. Are you overinsured? Are you underinsured? And if you have a will or a revocable living trust or any other trust that you might have. Do you have a question about your financial goals? Call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. You know, a lot of folks are really excited about the game. (laughs) And the most important thing is winning the game. (laughs) And whoever wins tonight is going to be the winner. So what about financial planning? It is important because time is what you have. Time is the only thing that you have on your side, right? And you have to make the right decisions. Don't you, Deborah? You do. You Don't have, you, you have to think it's this worth what, it to win. Exactly. And this is what we've been seeing with all of our clients at Lewis Financial Management. So if you've got a question, make an appointment. Call us at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Let's help you be a winner. Let's take another call, Doug. Wayne, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? Hi, I enjoy your program. Good. Um, I'm one of those middle-income overtax people. Okay. And uh, How old are you? 40. 40 years old. And I don't really have a exact question, but um, I make quite a bit of money. I don't ever seem to be able to save any. What's your income? Around um, uh, low 70s. <clears throat> 70,000, 40 years old, married or single, Wayne? Married, three, three children. Married and three kids. All right. We got to find a question if we're going to answer a question, right? Right. <laughs> right. So um, I just don't ever seem to be able to save any money. Um, don't have any investments. Have a little retirement at, at work, 401k type thing. And I just have a the basic question, I guess, is just where do you start to analyze where you're at and where you need to go? All right. That's a real good question. Uh, actually, the way Linda and I begin is we begin with something called the five keys. Uh, Lynn, you want to identify the five keys real quickly? Exactly. Um, usually what we do is we get, first of all, your federal and state tax returns. That's key number one. Okay. Then secondly, we get a list of your assets and your liabilities. That's key number two. And I usually include a worksheet in the packet when I send it to people. And the third key would be your income. Key number three. And along with the income, we look at your withholdings or your quarterly estimates. Key number four. And lastly, your living expenses. We want to get some estimated figures as to what you're spending if every I, month. If I have those five keys in front of me, Wayne, then what happens is we can get a snapshot of the financial independence feasibility for a client. And this is really what we're after and what you should be after is how to achieve financial independence. If you will listen to the carefully those five keys, the one that seems the most awkward is the one called living expenses. Do you know how much you're spending? Um, everything I make. 
that's a very typical answer. It's not sufficient. I won't accept it. You see what I'm saying? In other words, I want to see how much you're spending monthly in groceries, how much you're spending monthly in dry cleaning, how much you're spending and so forth. An interesting uh, um, um, exercise is if you will go through and identify your living expenses, and if you want, call the office during the week, and Linda will send you a package for the five keys. But if you will, on that living expense sheet, go ahead and list all of the expenses that you can identify. And sometimes it means going back to your checkbook for the last three months and finding out what are your recurring monthly expenses. That will be very illustrative to you. Number two, there'll be some expenses, probably a number of them, which are not recurring monthlies. Things like clothing, vacations, charitable gifts, things that don't occur on a regular basis. Well, once we have the expenses listed on paper... Then I go ahead and put the income and find out the delta. Now, the delta should be the difference. Almost always, I find that there is an excess on paper, and it says he's making 70000 he's spending, let's say, 40000 and, of course, we looked at his income taxes, and that's 12000 That means there's 62000 so he's got $8,000 left over, and very often he says, I don't understand. There's nothing left over. Well... If indeed you have gone ahead and identified all of the expenses on paper, which are important, then anything else is being blown on stuff that's discretionary that you can make a decision about or not a decision. It's not an urgent need. And we start a plan we call a pay-yourself-first investment plan. If in that case the example was $8,000, I'd divide it by 12 and I'd take that amount and have that invested automatically, drafted from your checking account, into some mutual fund of your choice at the beginning of each month. That forces you to be saving and accumulating for the future. Now, that's one possible story. The other possible story is where they are actually so debt-laden that there isn't any way to come up with anything, even on paper. Then we have to go to the expenses themselves and do budget control and break the expenses down into categories. What you should be doing is putting aside monthly towards accumulation for financial independence feasibility. In other words, you should be planning for the day that you have enough to where you can stop and you can support yourself from your asset base. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. Let me get your phone number so I can call down and get some further information. Sure. Wayne, that number is 872-7000. 872-7000. And if you'll call the office, I'll be happy to send you some information. And probably one thing that you and your wife should do is write down any questions that you have about your situation that you'd like to ask an advisor like Doug. Okay? Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you for calling, Wayne. You know, Lynn, once I have the five keys in front of me and I can have a quick snapshot of who they are, then it's real easy to see just what the issue is. But I really appreciate someone like Wayne wanting to know, well, how do I begin? And the beginning point is just that, to take a snapshot and see my financial statement, my income, my expenses, cash flow picture, and the tax picture. Do you have a question about your investments? Call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. I don't know if tonight we've reminded our listeners uh, that the uh, folks that come in for meetings next week will still be giving given a free book for their first meeting, either the book called Wealthy Barber 
or the one called middle class millionaire or the one called simple wealth, inevitable wealth. Also, our website, DougAndLinda.com, DougAndLinda.com, will give an awful lot more information about us. So I just wanted to make sure that we get that on the air tonight. Well, Doug, Deborah, what's new in the world of retirement planning? Well, some retirees don't need more income, so when they must withdraw from an IRA or a 401k, this can be a problem. See, a large tax-deferred portfolio and no immediate need for spending that money can cause problems. But even though uh, you have that problem, there's some ways to address it. Let's say you have a large account and you'd like to leave that money in place and you'd like to allow it to keep on compounding on its tax-deferred basis and then be available for your heirs. Well, the government won't let you take advantage of retirement savings tax breaks forever. (laughs) At some point, you are required to start pulling that money out and paying the tax collector. Enter Required Minimum Distributions, or RMDs as some people call them. These are the mandatory withdrawals that must commence from tax-deferred accounts such as 401ks and traditional IRAs once a retiree passes age 70 and a half. Now, for affluent retirees who have enough cash on hand from other sources, RMDs can be a headache, saddling them with higher tax bills than they would otherwise have. Now, Doug and Linda, we've received many questions about RMDs over the years, and I thought that we might address or answer some of the most common ones. Linda, what would you say is one of the first and most common questions that we get? Okay, one question is, is there any way to reduce the tax impact of RMDs? To a large extent, RMD-related taxes are what they are. You're going to pay ordinary income tax on your withdrawals from your IRAs and your company retirement accounts to the extent that those monies have never been taxed. What's another question? Well, what's a qualified charitable distribution? Yeah, these are called QCDs, Qualified Charitable Distributions. A qualified charitable distribution is a way for retirees to steer up to $100,000 of their RMDs to a qualified charity because retirees never actually receive that money. The portion of the RMD doesn't increase their modified adjusted gross income, which is a key determinant of the individual's tax bill. So doing this qualified charitable distribution, this QCD, will tend to be more beneficial tax-wise than simply withdrawing the money from the IRA and then giving it straight to the charity and then taking a deduction for that amount. You're actually sending the contribution straight from your IRA to your charity. We've had several clients uh, utilize this technique. It's powerful. Yes. Another question is, can I reinvest my RMD in an IRA? No, no. Once you've taken your required minimum distribution, you can't put that money back into a traditional IRA. You can reinvest any RMDs that you don't need in a taxable brokerage account with an eye towards tax-efficient investments like municipal bonds or real estate investment trusts or REITs. Now, another question is, if I delayed my first required minimum distribution, when should I take the second one? Hmm. Well, 
You often hear that RMDs begin once you turn age 70 and a half, but you actually have until April 1st of the year after you turn age 70 and a half to take your first RMD. So let's say, for example, that you turn 70 in September of 2016 and 70 and a half in March 2017. You'd actually have until April 2018, that's the year after the year in which you turn 70 and a half, to take your first RMD. Then you need to take your next RMD also by December 2018. So you've got to take two in one year. Yeah. By postponing the first RMD, it's not really always worth it, even though the usual admonishment to defer your tax bill for as long as you can is out there because you are making two withdrawals from the portfolio in the same year, which can hit your portfolio in a strong way. Of course, for us, we don't apply that technique at all because no. that's assuming that you're going to have uh, analysis that provides a certain annual amount and then take it at some annual time frame, whereas we approach it quite differently. And this is a perfect uh, lead-in to the next question that we often get. Do I need to pull my required minimum distributions from all of my IRA holdings? No, you don't. To calculate your RMDs, You look back to the balance for each of your accounts as of the previous year end. To calculate the RMD that you're going to take out by December 31, 2017, for example, you'll find your balances as of 2016, December 31. If you own three separate traditional IRAs, for example, one of those RMDs may be at $4,000 and that's the end of 2016, and another one with a $1,000 RMD and one with a 3500 RMD, then you'd need to take the 8500 in total. But the way we do it, and the IRS doesn't care where you get it from. They just want their 8500 Right. But the way we do it is to combine the IRAs under one custodial account so that there's only one to go ahead and take as an RMD. And the reason to have that one IRA is for other reasons like rebalancing and portfolio safety. Right. So imagine you had those three IRAs. You're now having to apply that application to find out what the required minimum distribution for all three would be. That's right. Instead, you can simplify your life. You can maximize your investment options within one larger portfolio. And like I was hinting at a moment ago, you can apply a different technique, which is looking at the required minimum distribution for the year as a monthly income that would be set up for the entire year's RMD. Very smart, Deborah, especially for those clients that don't need to spend it. They now get to dollar cost average into the other portfolio. And now the personal portfolio is being added to as if it was another uh, income stream. Wonderful. I think that's an invaluable strategy, isn't it? Because, you know, a lot of folks, many of our clients that we have worked with over the year, and to all of our listeners, if if this is a similar situation that, that you might have, but many of our clients have accumulated over their lifetime. And as they approach 70 and a half, we have been making recommendations as you know, when we're doing the cash flow planning, we know that when 70 and a half comes, they're going to have that extra income that they really don't need because they right. have 
two portfolios already where they're there, where they're already getting income. So and, they right. yeah they 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 so they always ask us is there any way that I can leave it in the IRA to accumulate? Of course the answer is no, but we can turn the no into a yes by sending it straight over to the other portfolio. Right. I mean it's it's just a beautiful technique and especially if and you know in many scenarios uh, especially if people already had um, pensions or both spouses worked and we have two social securities and a pension, you might have enough recurring income to not not ever need to take from either portfolio. Do you have a question about your retirement accounts? Call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Well, you know, talking about retirement, what if you're funding uh, uh, 40 years of retirement? Yeah, a new study has just concluded that your odds of living to be 100 of becoming a centenarian may be improving. Wow. The population of Americans aged 100 or older right now rose 44% between 2000 and 2014, according to this study. The world had more than four times as many centenarians in 2015 as it did in 1990. Now, if you do live to 100, will your money last as long as you do? There are some financial steps to help you maintain your retirement savings and income. Number one, hire and work with a certified financial planner to know where you are now so that outliving your money is not a concern later. Number two, keep investing in stocks. Standard & Poor's 500 Stock Index does not automatically gain 10% or more each year, but it certainly has the potential to do so. As the benchmark interest rate is still well below 1%, bonds are not producing anything close to double-digit returns. Some bonds are even failing to keep up with the current inflation rate. Turning away from equity or stock investments in retirement may seriously hinder the growth of your savings and your level of income. So what's the right mix? Call me, Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, or Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management. That's what we do. We help clients know if they've got the right mix. A third technique, arrange some kind of pension-like income. If you can retire with a pension, great. If not, you may want other income streams besides Social Security, and these can be distributions from your investment accounts. If you've accumulated for a lifetime and now you need it and you need your investments to pay out, you've got to work with someone, a certified financial planner, to create an income stream that works for you. How do you do this? Well, you need to give us a call during the week, this week, 919-872-7000. Well, Doug and Linda, we hear the music. Might be a good time to wrap up on some of the topics that we covered. I guess the big news was the change in the DOL's fiduciary rule. Absolutely. Tonight, what we covered, other than the fiduciary rule signed by President Trump, or at least telling to put it on hold, we covered Egadim. We covered the 2017 planning strategies. We covered required minimum distributions, RMDs. And we we also covered living to be 100. So you always need to remember that your money matters because your financial future is at stake. And if you have any idea of any subjects you want, 
Call us at Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. You've been listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com and listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF.